And now, it's time for the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. I love it. Say it one more time. Shake and bake! Shake and bake. Shake and bake. Shake and bake. Shake it, bake it! Does that feel good? Yeah. It rhymes. They're both birds. Awesome. Blake Crawford. The Shake and Blake Bowl. It's at Bell Snyder Family Stadium. It's just our faces on center field. John Grove. I think for K-State, in order to be successful, you're going to have to open up that passing game. Bring you all things K-State sports and even more. And it's Shake and Bake time. Welcome, everybody, into the Shake and Blake Show live on Wildcat 91.9. My name is Blake Crawford, joined by John Grove. John, how are you doing on a pretty wonderful Friday afternoon? It's a beautiful Friday afternoon. It's even better, especially now that you're back at the audio (laughs) board operating desk once again. It's just all great. I don't have to be in charge of the audio board desk. It's just... (laughs) Uh, okay, so you, I mean, you got that computer onto your left side. Like, I had to like bring my, I had to bring my mic to the left side, and j- just like kind of get look through the stats a little bit and see like what's going on. It's it's kind of hard just like seeing the eye contact, but not, but but you make it look so easy. You make well, it look so easy. I sh- I sure do try. It's definitely great to be back here instead of watching lawyers talk about family law for about eight hours. Oh. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, hey, listen, it was a. Uh, it was. There's some interesting stuff. They did a mental health segment, which I thought was interesting. But um, luckily, if it's your first time listening to the Shake and Blake Show here in Wadkin 919, we're not a family law seminar. Um, we are a K State sports podcast. Um, we are live every single Friday night here on Wildcat 91.9 from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. And we also release our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And to know when we're going live on Wildcat 91.9, you can follow us on Twitter at ShakeAndBlake785. And when you check us out, um, Shake and Blake, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure to follow the podcast and leave a review. We've got a great show lined up for you. We're going to talk about five-star prospect David Casillo makes his commitment to K-State. Mm-hmm. We'll let you know about other transfers that Jerome Tang has got his eye on. We'll talk some football recruiting news as well as some new rules coming to college football. The main one being that the game clock will continue to run after a first down. Then we'll let you know what the Batcats have been up to with their matchup against Wichita State on Tuesday and their trip to California this weekend with a three-game series against UC Irvine. And then we'll get you ready for the NFL draft K-State style, telling you where all the top K-State players may be going in the draft. But, John, uh, let's start off with some sad news that just broke this morning. K-State basketball legend Ernie Barrett passed away um, at the age of 93 this morning. April 21st, 2023, born in Pratt, Kansas on August 27th, 1929. Mr. K-State has been the heart and soul of this university for over 75 years. First as a basketball player, leading K-State in 1951 as a first-team All-American to the national championship game under legendary coach Jack Gardner. He was drafted seventh overall in the 1951 draft by the Boston Celtics, but didn't play until 1953 due to his service in the Air Force. Um, he came back to K-State after two seasons with the Celtics as an alumni secretary before becoming an assistant coach under Tex Winter. Um, he was an assistant for six seasons with an astonishing 123-36 and 36 record during that time, including multiple Elite Eights and Final Four appearances. 
Uh, Barrett then spent some time in administration. He came back to K-State as an athletic director in 1969. He was the first Kansas-born athlete to become athletic director at K-State. While he was athletic director from 1969 to 1975, he hired K-State basketball legend Jack Hartman, raised funds for KSU Stadium, which would eventually become Bill Snyder Family Stadium, um, spearheaded stuff for the RV Christian track and field complex, and many more stuff during his tenure as athletic director. He spent some time away from K-State, came back in 1991 as a director of development for K-State Athletics, and he stayed there until he retired in 2007. He survived by his wife of 72 years, Bonnie, his son Brad, grandson Ryan, and his wife Lauren. There is a celebration of life planned at 1 p.m. for Ernie Barrett. 1 p.m. Central Time on Thursday, April 27th. It's at Bramlage Coliseum with a reception to follow in the Shamrock Zone. Um, it's open to the public. Um, the family has asked that instead of flowers that you please make a donation to a memorial for Barrett that has been established at the Kansas State University Foundation with donations benefiting the Ernie and Bonnie Barrett Family Men's Basketball Scholarship. Um, I mean, 1948 to 2007, John, Ernie Man. Barrett, for the majority of those years, was had something to do with K-State, and his fingerprints are all over this university, and he's going to be a hard man to forget. He's going to be remembered at K-State for all of all of history. He he was the ultimate K-Stater in my eyes. His impact was immeasurable over 70 plus years. I think it was a, at 70 he was he spent 75 years with uh with K-State. Um I think uh, it, it's just truly remarkable a, a career he's had. Um uh and just the way he's helped this university become what it what it is today. I mean, he served as a student athlete uh, for the basketball team. Uh, a, an assistant basketball coach at the time, and uh, he, he was also involved with, with uh, director of athletics at times, and uh, university consultant and director of development. I mean, he was just he he was he embodied K State a lot more than what anybody else could, and and just seeing that spirit. Uh, I mean, just seeing the spirit uh, during every every game we see uh, every game we see Ernie Barrett, uh, uh, particularly the basketball games where we're honoring the legends and. Uh, they they uh, they uh, call out Ernie Barrett uh, Ernie Barrett's name. He walks onto the court and he gives a big f- uh, fist up into the air, and everybody's just loving it. It's just it's awesome. And I and at the same time, uh, I'm it's it's also pretty cool seeing him. Uh, I mean, well, I don't know I don't know if, if if we saw him doing this, but he he was probably just celebrating his ass off uh, <laughs> after after the second win over Kentucky. Uh, b- during March Madness as well. Yeah, I'm sure it was great. You know, at least he got to see one more Elite Eight run. Of course, known for his firm handshakes, as known by a lot of people. And the, I think the grabbing of the neck is something he also did. Um, I'm the, but, uh, you know, <laughs> Mr. K-State, one thing I did love, there's a great piece uh, on the K-State Athletics page kind of, you know, outlining his life and all of his accomplishments. Um, I love that he was recruited by Fog Allen of Kansas and Oklahoma State's Henry Iba out of high school, which is just so funny to think about that he it was recruited by coaches whose names are now named after the KU and Oklahoma State um, arenas, which yeah, just shows, truly shows how old school he is, and he's just he's truly been around. A lo- he was around for a l- very long time. Allen Fieldhouse, Gallagher Arena. Yep. He said, "No, thank you. I I want to wear purple throughout my entire career. I want to wear purple after my career. I just want to embrace K State." Um, and spent some time in the NBA as well. Nothing wrong with that oh, as yeah. well. Um, I believe he was also a, a case a Kansas State Hall of Fame and uh, Hall of Fame inductee as well to go along with that. Uh, but he was, 
he was one of a kind. He did so much to promote athletics in the state. Um, and really, uh, our thoughts are just our, our thoughts are with his family and the K State family uh, in the morning of a loss. He was, without a doubt, one of the legends that, that will be forever remembered uh, in K State athletics history. And again, I would highly recommend reading the piece that was done by K State athletics because I love at the bottom, you've got quotes from all sorts of people directly related with K State. You know, obviously the president, Gene Taylor. You know, Coach Tang, Coach Kleiman, Coach Schneider gives a great quote. You even get people like Brad Underwood getting quotes about Ernie Barrett. Bruce Weber, you know, makes a good appearance. Um, Chris Lowry has uh, Lowry, um, who's now at Northwestern. He 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 um talked yeah, he mentioned Ernie Barrett as well. Yeah, former athletics director John Curry, who's now at K State or uh, Wake Forest, excuse me. So just I mean, you know, he's he truly made one of the biggest impacts you could ever have at K State. He's Mr. K State for a reason. Uh, he's going to definitely be remembered for a very long time. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think with that, John, let's go ahead. I know we're a little, we're pretty early on in the show, but let's go ahead and take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk Big Twelve recruiting news for football and basketball next on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. And we're back on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. Yo. Uh, I just want to say one more time, if you would like to go to the Celebration of Life to celebrate uh, Ernie Baird, it's at 1 p.m. Thursday, April 27th at Bramlage Coliseum with the reception to follow in sh- in the Shamrock Zone. So if you'd like to go to that again, Thursday, April 27th, 1 p.m. in Bramlage Coliseum, if you'd like to go and honor Ernie Barrett. Uh, but let's get into some current K-State news here, John, because a lot's happening. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we mentioned uh, Ernie Barrett was offered by Kansas and Oklahoma State but decided to choose K-State. Well, that was the case for David Castillo as well. Um, and one of the you know biggest recruits that we've seen in over a decade, John, David Castillo chose K- to go to K-State. Um, he's a five-star according to ESPN. He's a four-star on other sites. Just to put it into perspective, He's the fourth highest ranked recruit in K State history. The people above him are, oh, of course, a guy named Michael Beasley. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Bill Walker. And people forget Wally Judge. Yeah, Wally, Wally Judge was Judge. a five star, very highly recruited. Um, but overall, just a ginormous gift for Coach Tang. I think we knew, based on kind of the recruiting acumen of his assistants and of uh, Coach Tang, but I don't think we expected to get somebody like this after just one year. Uh, I, I was just thinking about uh, so so this one Oklahoma State guy who who who, who runs the Lockdown Oklahoma State podcast. Um, he he um, just comes out with with like a quick video of reacting about David Castillo's like I'm about as okay uh, with with it as I, I would be walking around with his daggone time with with a fake prosthetic leg and uh, maybe I would be walk considering walking around with two if I didn't have to see him play in Manhattan, but. Nonetheless, I mean, you get uh, you get David Castillo out out of out of the state of Oklahoma, uh, a six foot two combination guard out of Bartlesville. He's a smooth operator on the floor. He just has a tremendous feel for connecting on good looks uh, for, from the perimeter. Uh, I w- I would also say he is a skilled three three level scorer who who can thrive at both guard positions due to his ability. Uh, to handle and shoot the basketball as well. And something to point out, his coach at uh, Bartlesville, Oklahoma, Clint Stewart, Clint Stewart who was a K-State guard in the mid-2000s. Now, he has said that he you know, didn't really try to sway. He kind of took a hands-off approach and let 
Um, you know, Dave do his own thing, which is definitely respectable. But I think he made the right decision. I mean, you mentioned getting him out of the state of Oklahoma, getting him away from Kansas, of course, mm-hmm. is a really big deal, too. Winning a recruiting battle with KU, of course, they're going to say, oh, we didn't want him anyway. He's the only the 27th best player in the country. Oh, geez, gosh, he's not good enough for KU. Yeah, he, we, gosh. We, we think too highly of ourselves. We want to go after – they they know it. I mean, okay. If they if they were able to land David Castillo, they would not shut up about it. Like yeah. you would hear a lot of these people say, "Oh my gosh, that's K State's one big opportunity to go after this recruit, and they missed it." Rock chalk. <laughs> no, uh, it, I mean, I mean, once when we pick up somebody, he's like, "Oh, never mind. We don't need him anyways." It's just. It's just premature. It's just very premature. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, he's uh, so he is the number twelve player in the twenty twenty four class according to ESPN. Twenty seven on on three's industry rankings. He's in the mid thirties. I think he's in the low forties on some other site. But he's the number three point guard in the country, pretty much across the board. Number one player in the state of Oklahoma. Um, something else to point out has two gold medals on his resume. Um, won the twenty twenty one FIBA Americas Under sixteen Championship right. and then the twenty twenty two FIBA Under seventeen Basketball World Cup with the USA Basketball National Team. So he's obviously one of the best players in his class. You know, getting to play on something like that. Um, and this could just be. This is kind of just the first dominant. This is one the hardest recruit to get, in my opinion, John. Getting that first big five star. Because you know, other five stars are looking. We've obviously got the fan, you know, fan support. We've got the culture set up already. We're obviously, you know, we've kind of gone mainstream a little bit with our elite eight run. And you see what Marquise Noel does. I mean, like, would I think every point guard's dream would have to have a moment like that in NCAA tournament. And you know, Coach Tang can offer that to people. And I think this will just lead to more and more five stars and all the connections. You know, you got to give Rodney Perry credit. I believe he coached in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so this is kind yeah. of his territory. So, you know, having those connections with his assistants, I mean, this is going to – I think this is just the beginning. Well, I think not just that, but you're also – I mean, you want to talk about Marquise Noel and some of the high, uh, tremendous impacts he's made. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of recruits and specifically uh, point guards that are starting to look at K-State as a potential hotspot. You know, I, I mean, we, we always refer to the football team as special teams you, but now – well, we might be seeing a pattern with special teams, you, and especially if we're able to pick up Max Amos. Uh, well, we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, looking at some of his highlights I, during his high school career, it, it did show a little bit of some sh- uh, shades of, of Marquis Noel at, at times. He just shows a level of moxie, uh, of confidence, um, while, while being cool, calm, and collected uh, during these high, uh, during the high level situations. And he plays with a lot of poise. He can create a lot of offense himself, uh, especially when a play breaks down. Yeah, this could definitely have the opportunity to be a, a university that just brings in great point guards because of the precedent that Marquise Noel said and the things he was able to do. I will say, uh, I mean, just uh, maybe, I mean, the uh, – uh, what's the best way? Possibly duplicating the offensive success uh, from Marquise is very possible. Um, I think the, uh, on the defensive end, I think uh, he'll have to. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of adjustment playing with a little more sense of urgency, um, especially under Jerome Ting. Uh, however, I think his personality, uh, Castillo's personality, I think it's going to pro- uh, project to blend in well uh, with not just the K State coaching staff, well, with the coaching staff and. He should be able to buy into what's expected for him early on during his freshman campaign in Manhattan. Yeah, Clint Stewart spoke very highly of David Castillo's character, which you really love to hear. And he seems like a really humble guy. 
Um, you know, and he's, I think he'll fit in really great with K-State. Something else to point out, you know, he's not going to a prep school or anything, so he's kind of the guy. He's not surrounded by four- and five-star recruits, so he's getting yeah. a lot of attention in these high school games he's playing. Don't, don't know who he is surrounded by. Who? Uh, the Bartlesville High School alum himself, James Draws. I don't know who that. Who? What? James happened? who? Oh, he's he's from Bartlesville. Yeah, That's he's fun. from Bartlesville. Wow. Uh huh. Did you see he's going to announce a pick for the Chiefs at the draft? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too <Okay>. soon. <laughs> well, anyway, that that was quite an aside. But uh, I totally forgot where we were. But well, um, I mean, oh, I mean, you were referring to like all the. Yeah, I mean, they didn't, he didn't play with. Oh, he didn't play yeah. like some of the high level so, teams. I just, I just had to. I was, point yeah, out I wasn't there. even. I don't know. Listen, I don't know what the competition like is in Oklahoma. Um, but I mean, you know, he's getting double teamed and triple teamed a lot. So I think once he gets into college, I think he'll have a great senior year. Once he gets into college, I think it'll really free up for him. Um, he's a guy. I think he's, you know, he wants to be a distributor, um, getting all this attention and getting his guys, you know, the opportunity to score and kind of learn how to win. You know, Derek Young talks a lot about this a lot, you know, yeah. he obviously being the um, kind of main recruiting guy for on three. I think so. Go ahead. Yeah. I think it's going to be more of a play, uh, a, a score first style, but he has shown, uh, shown uh, more, more adaptability when it comes to, uh, when it comes to passing, he can make a positive, he can make a few positive plays without getting uh, uh, uh speed up against uh, sped up against pressure. It's just how it's just how it how it says in my in my in my script. A little brutal. Uh, his long I will say his long range shot it is just pure. His his long shot is straight up pure. He he should thrive under the freedom that Jerome Tang allows his guards to play with, like similar to what we saw with Marquise Noel last year. Yeah, we saw the types of guard development that we saw at Baylor as well. You know, with all of the great guards that they've had there. So there's obviously a precedent for much much success under Jerome Tang and now at K State. Um, for a guard success. Now, at 170 pounds, he's listed at. Obviously, he's a junior. He's got another year, and then he'll have some time at K-State. So, you like to see him kind of put on some weight a little bit to be able to— Put on um, some extra juice. Yeah, bang with the big boys in the paint um, there. So, uh, I, I think we could go ahead and kind of transition into to the transfer portal and what's been going on there. There's kind of two big um, storylines right now, and that's Tyler Perry and Max Abbas. Um, Tyler Perry, a North Texas guard, just made his top four. K-State is in it um, alongside Florida, Ole Miss, and Texas Tech. Um, he's a former four-star recruit, and he's the number 37 player in the transfer portal, according to Rivals. Well, prior to well, prior to announcing his top four, he didn't have K-State in consideration at all. I think it was his top eight, uh, uh, top eight remaining, but... Uh, K State showed up a little late to the conversation, but it didn't matter. He's he has K State now in the top four, I believe. It's along with Texas Tech, Florida, and Ole Miss. Um, it looked as if they, he was leaning towards more of the SEC schools, but um, there's been more conversations heating up uh, with, uh, with him and K State. Of course, you got the connection as well uh, with Jareem Dowling, who's from North Texas as well. Uh, uh, but Perry, he's an he, he led the NIT champs uh, in scoring 17 points per game uh, while shooting a re- shooting really well 41% from three point range draining 87% of his free throws uh, he's also 511 it works out I mean I mean you want to talk about the small guard play it has worked worked out uh, already historically for K-State Perry I mean, Perry clearly has makings of an elite scoring guard and I think he's and I think 
the one thing he has that that maybe uh, Max Amos or David Castillo don't doesn't have is he just he for his size he is a really good defender. And North Texas played with the slowest adjusted tempo in the country uh, during the 2022-2023 season. So they they they've done a great job um, limited limited scoring. Um, but I guess uh, on an, on another thing to point out as well is that Hill likely had to adjust the, the tempo kind of along with Castillo as well um, under under Tang's uh, under Tang's strategy philosophy his technique. Uh, um, but Perry still managed to to post guard. Uh, 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 godly offensive offensive numbers. Yeah, and I mean he'll definitely have to. He's played two years at North Texas, and he's looking to kind of upgrade. It looks like he is going to get to some sort of Power Five concerts, whether feature, that's feature home for Blake Crawford. Maybe <laughs> we'll, see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Sources see. sources say sources. <laughs> the stand what. Speculation doesn't do anybody. Adam Schefter hasn't said anything yet, so it's not official. Uh, let's talk about, um, you know what's better than one short guard coming to K-State, John? Two. So let's let's make it happen. Uh, Max Abmas, who's also um, a fellow short king, he visited K-State last weekend. He's currently visiting Texas right now. Um, so we'll see who comes out of that um, recruiting duel between young head coaches Rodney Terry and Jerome Tang, who can win the love and affection of the Oil Roberts guard, who's been scoring 20-plus points a game for three straight years. Um, so I think he could definitely – we'll see if it can transfer to the Power 5 level, and I think it will. I think it's very possible. Jamie Shaw on three uh, re- recently stated that K State and Texas just continue to be the leading front runners uh, for uh, the former Oral Roberts point guard. And just, I mean, the, num- the numbers should should clearly indicate to you how much both schools want him. And and honestly, if you are Texas, you could probably you could probably get him. Uh, just not not just with the home state connections and all, with Admas being from the Dallas area, you could probably you could probably take the short drive down to Austin, but. I mean, te- look, Texas has that NIL money. They can they can cash in really well. But shout out to K State. I mean, they they are doing all they can to to really reel and deal this guy in. I I think I think he would fit tremendously under Jerome Tang's system. Um, I think he also has one more year of eligibility, right? Yep. Uh, yep. So, uh, big opportunity there. Um, he's won Summit Player, uh, Summit League Player of the Year twice. He's also experienced playing beyond the uh, first week in the NCAA tournament as well. So he has postseason experience. He's played some of these big, big schools before, um, and he's number. Uh, he's also number sixteen all time for made three pointers, uh, and is is thirty eight. What is it? Thirty nine percent shooting uh, on eight on nearly nine attempts per game as well. So that'd be. That'd be a heavy, heavy addition. I believe a lot of a lot of people, like a lot of insiders, are saying that he's currently the number two best uh, player out of a transfer portal, only behind Hunter Dickinson. Yeah, and I mean, Jerome Tang wants this guy. I mean, there's uh, Derek Young from On Three reported that the coaching staff flew. Um, actually, to Dallas this morning to That's try right. and and talk to Abma. So I mean, they want. Has he set a date for making a decision? I'm guessing he's going to wait until after his visit. Yeah, but. you're seeing that with some of the uh, with some of the higher talented prospects in the portal. They're they're not they're they're they're, they're wanting to spend a little more time, kind of kind of going through everything, see if they need to make another visit or two, seeing what uh, the NIL implications are. Um, so we'll we'll see more on that, but. Uh, I mean, you mentioned it though. I mean, you want to talk about how badly the coaches 
want to get Max Amos to come to Manhattan. Not only did they make the make the track to Dallas today. I mean, you saw Jerome Tang. Uh, I think Derek Young got a photo from somebody. He posted on Twitter and it showed Jerome Tang uh, sleeping, I believe, at the Manhattan Regional Airport, uh, waiting for um, waiting for Amos uh, to uh, uh, arrive as well. So. Um, I mean, it just really comes to show you how much how much he is wanting to uh, wanting to uh, get get Smith on campus. Uh, actually, I believe he he does go by Smith as well. Now okay. I'm thinking about it as well. Uh, it's it's it, it gets a little it's it's a little tongue twister. <laughs> uh, but but um, this would be this would be a gi- ginormous addition. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about uh, some of the additions K State made in the past in the past off season. Um, I mean. More specifically, with with the likes of Keontae Johnson. Well, we didn't know what to expect from Keontae Johnson at the time. Uh, some same thing kind of applies to Desi Sills or Naquan Tomlin. We now they just haven't heard about some of these players too much, but they know who Max Acemus is. And if K State's able to, uh, if K State's able to get him, it's going to be a lot of media attention uh, tracking with not just K State but with Max Acemus as well. Yeah, these would be two huge guards to get. I mean, again, we had six seniors leave K State, so we've got some holes to fill along with Ish Masood going to the transfer portal as well as Taj Manning. Uh, and Anthony Thomas just recently announced that he's going to the transfer right. portal as well. Um, so yeah, four spots available. So four spots available. You've got two people interested here. I'd be interested to see because I believe the transfer portal is open until the thirtieth. So there's still plenty of time to do make things happen. Interested to see if we could try and get a big man because I think that's a main concern we have right that's now. Main concern. Um, you know, obviously Ish Masood leaving. Bebe's graduating. Um, we have Jarrell Colbert. Um, you know, I think <laughs> again, you know, based off that one game we saw against Washburn, it was impressive. Um, <laughs> but he's obviously got the physical traits to be impressive. Hopefully, during his redshirt year, he's really taking the time to learn the system. I think he could be a star. But it'd be great uh, yeah. to have some depth, great right, to get a guy who's got some experience. And yeah, you know, we've de- seen do it. Definitely experience. I, I mean, in terms of the bigs, you want a guy. You want to have a guy that's not only putting up some really big numbers, but experience as well. And I was leaning towards Jesse Edwards out at Syracuse. I thought he. I thought K State would have been a little more in the conversation. Uh, but my goodness, I mean, every. Every like every post I'm seeing with with the transfer portal, it's like West Virginia is just mentioned on there like every time. And they, I mean they they were able to to pick up Jesse Edwards. You also had Kansas and Gonzaga in consideration of picking him up as well. Caden uh, Shedrick out of Virginia, uh, he was uh, he also had some brief discussions with K State, but looks like he might be uh, ending up towards the ACC and possibly Duke uh, as well. So I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure who else K who K State could could go after right uh, right now just kind of like thinking I'm I'm on my radar so far but um hopefully we're able to see uh, Drum Tang just work his magic like like he always has like he always has yeah I'm not saying we could just go out and you know give Hunter Dickinson a phone call and say hey come to K State and he says oh my gosh wow Drum Tang I, I will say this though the transfer portal like this year's transfer portal really came uh, really uh really like settled in for me like how much I've learned about West Virginia because <laughs> they have so much NIL potential. When you combine that with just Bob Huggins persuading people to just come on over, dude, they, they've been racking up transfer after transfer after transfer. It's just it's absurd. I mean, you also have Missouri picking up Caleb Grill uh, as well, becoming America's uh, most uh, most hated team. So, uh, <laughs> yep, yep. It's definitely an interesting choice. John, I think that's a good place to wrap it up here. So, again, we're keeping our eye on Tyler Perry and Max Abbas and seeing what they're going to do. 
because uh, we're still waiting a decision date. But hopefully I next could, week. I could hear your. Yeah, sorry. I probably should have done that farther away. That was so unprofessional. <laughs> but we're hopefully uh, next week we can call them our Wildcats. But let's move on to football recruiting because um, there was some action in the 2024 class That's for right. K State football. John Price. A running back from Stillwell, Kansas. John, what can you tell us about John Price? Oh, my gosh. We got another John. He's <laughs> going to Kansas State. I am so happy. Uh, so it looks like he will be following in the footsteps of Sterling Lockett, who who, who came to k in 2022, and you also got Andre Davis, uh, who both committed to the Wildcats from Blue Valley. Um, so really great to see uh, Chris Kleiman and company really extend their pipeline towards Blue Valley and the greater Kansas City uh, metro area. And John Price, he is considered one of the top football prospects in the Sunflower State uh, for recruiting class of 2024. I believe he's either third or fourth, uh, according to 24-7 Sports. Um, really good pickup. He's, he rushed for over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, 142 carries last season with Blue Valley. He also added 132 yards and a score uh, as a receiver as well, but... But um, Ace Edwards out of out of the Aggieville Alicats, uh, we we met up with one time, and I didn't really get the chance to see some of the highlights. And he just showed me one play, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, dude! I mean, I, I'm seeing some. I'm either seeing Brandon Banks. It's like it's like a combination of Brandon Banks and Deuce Vaughn, just just kind of just collided together. And he's just, I mean, he not only just ripped a a, a a a defender's ankle but i mean he just ripped a defender's soul <laughs> I, I mean he is just like he he just bounces all over the place so i am really looking forward to seeing that uh, as well he now joins uh gus Haw- hawkins uh the offensive tackle to mill valley you also got ryan howard uh the offensive lineman he's a big boy yeah. uh, i mean you also got joan uh ed jake stone uh jake stonebreaker out of uh, Colorado. You also got Blake Barnett, um, the top quarterback prospect out of Colorado for the 2024 class. Yeah, we're well. already we're building quite a 2024 uh-huh. class already. Uh, John Price had offers from Kansas, Iowa, Minnesota, and Oklahoma State as well. And thanks to John Price for teaching me another suburb of Kansas City that I did not know. So let's move on. Talk about some new rules being implemented in college football. Again, this is all for the goal of decreasing game time and the number of plays in college football. Kind of with the the expanded playoff, you know, more games being played, they want to limit plays and game time, kind of, right. um, I guess. So the big one um, that people are talking about is clocks will not stop on a first down anymore uh, like they used to before. Clocks will stop on a first down with under two minutes left in each half. I mean, the rule had been in place since 1968. Um, but this is all in an effort to, again, decrease game times. John, your thoughts? Well, you also have a few minor, uh, few minor yeah. changes as well. You had no consecutive timeouts, which I think out of all of them is a ginormous win for the sport uh, on itself. You also got no untimed downs at the end of the first and third quarter as well. So, um, definitely which makes sense. Yeah, make make makes it's a, pretty pointless to have an untimed down when it you know. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and you got the clock, and of course the main, main main one saying the clock runs after first downs, except for uh, two minutes and uh, two minutes in the first half, which kind of which kind of kind of reminds me a little bit of the NFL, like what like once when you hit a two two minute uh, like two minute warning, uh, Ben. It's Ben, but kind of imply their 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 own rules as well. Um, so to me, this is a little bit. I, I I'm not sure how, how to necessarily react to this because 
instead of shortening commercial breaks or limiting reviews, uh, you, you know, the things they have to make the games longer and less fun to watch, they decided to re really just remove football, like, in terms of possessions, like, especially when it's a close game and you're trying to march your way down the field to try and win. Um, I mean, if you're going to pick up a first down, the clock's going to still keep on going. Like, there's going to be no, no no stoppage of play. You're going to have to call a timeout or you're going to have to hike the ball as well. So, uh, to me, I found I found that a little bit disappointing, but overall, I'm not, it's not like I'm too, I'm, I'm not as, as, Red, red heated, uh, or I mean, just not completely engulfed with flames as everybody else is on Twitter. Yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, again, under two minutes when it really matters, when a first, you know, the clock stopping on first down matters, you know, that's still in effect. So I well, think on top of that, you just think about some of the factors. You got the targeting rule. I mean, that's just dreadful. I mean, that's a long, that's a really long review. Yeah. Um, that that is another thing that could change, but. I mean, you you, you got to think about this. Uh, I mean, if the NFL games are really kind of cutting, cutting it a little bit, little bit, little bit every time, and uh, I mean, uh, what what is it? Probably like an hour shorter at this point. It, it just kind of feels that way. I I I, I don't know. But the, the biggest takeaway is just like everybody's really overreacting to this when it when in general it's it's working out pretty uh, fairly well. Uh, with the NFL, could imply uh, tremendously well with college football, and as well, and it's not like football's being taken ahead with like like shortening the games. I mean, you have the pitching clock with the MLB uh, still still coming into play as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not too overly concerned about it. Yeah, I think I mean baseball needed to speed up the game because there was so much dead time between interesting moments in baseball. I think that was the problem. I think football's like football's generally pretty interesting for the entirety of the game, but it can kind of wear on for three to four hours, especially when you're at the game in yeah. you know in September and it's ninety degrees out. Um, maybe it could even start to get a little dangerous at that point. But I think it's a good effort. You know, I think overall, I think it will shorten game times. Um, I think there's some other issues in college football that could have been addressed, but you know. It is what it is. Oh, I meant, uh, what? <laughs> um, I, the, the, actually, the first takeaway I had from, from the rules being Im implemented today, now we're going to see Army and Navy uh, games without commercials, and they will finish under two hours. Like, what? Wow. Army and Navy's, like, they're, they're cutting it to two hours? Like, oh, my gosh. Like, I mean, look, no, no disrespect to Army and Navy, but those games were taking forever. Those games took forever. It's yeah. just like, and at the same time, it's just what wasn't really all exciting football as well. The pregame <laughs> traditions are great. It's old school. The fundamental. <laughs> what is that? A forward pass. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, listen, listen, football can be played a variety of ways, and, you know, if you want to play the ways of, you know, our our forefathers, and, uh, you know, <laughs> sure, whatever. Uh, John, let's go ahead and take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll recap the Batcats and, and give you the latest predictions on K-State players in the NFL Draft next on The Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. And we're back on The Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. We are here to recap some Batcat baseball. And unfortunately, we're going to be talking about a loss. They lost 10-4 to to Wichita State. 
this past Tuesday. Jackson Wentworth did not have a good start on the mound to this game. John gave up six runs in three innings. Uh, Mason Bust did not do much better, giving up three runs, earned runs in two innings. They did have some life in the fourth, a couple of home runs from Kalen Culpepper and Roberto Pena, but was not able to get the job done again. Ten to four loss. Six home runs for the Shockers. K State was Ooh. down nine one yeah. before Culpepper and Pena was able to really get the bat swinging and get back to back with a pair of homers and in the fourth to trim the Shocker lead to five. But ultimately, it just wasn't enough. There was not a lot of uh, overall offensive firepower early on uh, to really compete with what Wichita State was uh, was really going. And I saw their record during some of uh, – I, I think I looked back at Wichita State's um, record, and, and they have been – like, they are shredding some of these teams during during the midweek series. It's – I mean, they, they are a dangerous squad. I, I mean, when you're playing against them on Tuesdays and Wednesdays um, – but I mean, overall, you just you, you you may have had good swings off of minors, but you you don't get credit for the good swings, and you don't get credit for hits. And they're they're gonna and Wichita State, they just had more productive hits than K State did, and really that's why they they really they really gave us the old SmackDown, <laughs> old SmackDown. Yep, you know the Rock invented the word SmackDown. The Rock. I'm not. The Rock is so I charismatic. He invented a word. Did the WWE em- embrace uh, him saying SmackDown because because I feel like I've heard that word. That's from, like, they WWE have, SmackDown. They have a they have a show called SmackDown. Yeah, that after they went when they you know had so many wrestlers, they made two shows and they called the second one SmackDown. I'm an AEW guy now. AEW is good. stuff. AEW Dynamite. They've got Wednesday good, nights. They've got good stuff. Shout out to Mitch Fortner for 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 always mentioning it on his on his show. I I started tuning it in. It's pretty fun. Yeah, AEW is just a just a fun show. It's it's way better. If you're looking to get into wrestling, don't go to it's, WWE. It, go to go to AEW. It's not that it's not that WWE was bad. It's just it's just kind of it's it's just been kind of weak. Like they like it's not been as aggressive. It's I mean it's been a little bit more about politics as well. Uh, but I mean AEW just has a lot more like fireworks and all so yeah and it's you know there's kind of a moral aspect to watching wwe knowing they they have a deal with the saudi arabian public investment fund and everything that the saudi arabian government has done and then vince mcmahon's whole scandal and then him coming back and now he's the chairman of the board again and it's it's just kind of generally kind of murky it's going to be interesting to see how the calendar twins do of a wwe (laughs) <laughs> they're going to the WWE. Yeah, they they decided to call it quits in their basketball career. They left Miami. I mean, I mean, John. I heard about that. John Ruiz probably poured a lot of money towards them, but uh, I think they did sign deal uh, nil deal with WWE. When which once their once their career is over, they they become uh, they they become uh, wrestlers now, which but is going to be weird to see. That's definitely interesting. We'll see how they do uh, compared to Logan Paul. Well, anyway, back to K State baseball. <laughs> Um, they've fallen after the loss to Wichita State, twenty-four to fifteen. They're nine and six in conference play. Obviously, that game didn't count conference play, but nine and six in conference play. But again, their schedule is pretty backloaded. John, yeah. um, they have a trip to California. They're playing UC Irvine just an hour after we go off the air. Play UC Riverside on Tuesday. They host sixteenth-ranked Texas Tech the following weekend at Toynton Family Stadium, twenty-eighth, twenty-ninth, and thirtieth. So, if you're in Manhattan and want to see some K-State baseball, made sure to check it out at the end of April. But let's move on here. Let's do some cats in the NFL preview because um, the NFL draft is six days away. It's in Kansas City, Mm -hmm. and I think this is probably one of the more uh, good drafts to be a K-State fan 
Probably oh, the, absolutely. I'm trying to think if there's been – I mean, has there been a better draft to be a K-State fan with the number of guys that could be – I mean, we've got a couple that could, you know, if teams are feeling aggressive, could be day one guys. Well, and then, no, I, I think it's even possible get, to get not just one, but maybe, maybe two, yeah. day, two, day, uh, two, two guys on day one as well. Yeah, so, I mean, let's go ahead and get right into it. Let's get into the highest-ranked player that's on ESPN's um, – I'm not sure, probably Mel Kuyper, his rankings. Julius Brents. He's the listed as the sixth best defensive back in the entire NFL draft, 27th overall. Um, I know ESPN did a piece that he could be a possible late first rounder. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, you know, his, you know, his size, his athleticism, obviously, I think, translates really well to the NFL being able to compete with some of these taller wide receivers. He's speedy as well. Um, you know, I think they have really high, high praise for him as a scout, and he, I mean, he could he could be a guy getting his name called on day one. He has, I mean, out of everybody, probably on K State's pro day or who attended pro day, and Julius Brent's probably had his stock raised up uh, further than anybody. And it's and it's no disrespect to Felix, but I mean, Ju- Julius Brent's just a lot of potential, and we're seeing it with some of the some of the. Uh, Insiders with Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper Jr. They released their annual tag team mock draft, and they had Julius Brintz as the 28th pick going to Cincinnati as well. Um, he he would be, I believe, he would be reached at number 28. He's he's a consistent consistent 62nd ranked player overall and the 10th best quarter uh, cornerback as well. So. It'll be surprising. I, I, I will say this: I will be surprised uh, to see if it, if, they're, if they're ticking Brent's over the likes of possibly Miles Murphy, who went uh, who would who went in the next two picks. Um, but the Bengals also have pick number sixty. I don't think they'd be ri- risking to uh, to fall, falling uh, further down the line as well. So uh, you're you're going to see some of these teams like with the, with the Chiefs and the Bengals. Uh, they're going to be they're going to be uh, late in the first round and late in the second round as well. We'll see if they're able to to if they want to take a shot at a, at a K State player or two. Yeah, so Julius Spence has got a good shot at going in the first one. Another guy, obviously. I mean, you 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 saw this one coming. Uh, Felix and DK Uzama. I mean, even before coming into this the 2022 season, we figured that if Felix just had a decent season, he would be you know a possibility of being a first or second round draft pick. And, Somebody just stop holding them, holding Felix. <laughs> yeah, I mean, getting double teamed pretty much the entire season and getting held, he was still you know the defensive player <sighs> of the year. So. Mad gets me so mad. Juicy. But uh, <laughs> ESPN ranks him as the fourth best defensive end, 33rd overall behind a few different guys. Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech being the number one defensive end, again, according to ESPN. But could be possibly sneaking into that first round. He's right on that bubble. Right um, on so the it bubble. just it just depends on I'm, I haven't done my research as to what, you know, these late round or, you know, late pick teams needs are if they need a defensive end. But, I mean, edge rushing is one of the core pieces that you need in the NFL, you know, but with a good left tackle and, you know, kind of a number one wide receiver, a pass rushing defensive end. Um, is what you need, and Felix is absolutely that guy. Well, especially if you're looking at it from a Chiefs perspective, I believe they're losing Clark. Uh, where, where, where are they losing Clark to? Was it the 49 I'm not or? sure. It, it was it was one of the teams, but Clark's out of Kansas City, and now they're looking for another edge rusher, and I think Felix uh, could potentially slide in, and uh, on top of that, he's, he's also from the Kansas City Metro as well. Um, but again, the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, he's, he's – 
posted, uh, I mean, he's posted 20 and a half sacks, 26 and a half tackles uh, for a loss and eight forced fumbles in 33 games in all three seasons at K-State. Now, I think part of the reason why he's been a little bit stagnant, kind of on the boundary between late first round and early second round, is that um, he did have a foot injury um, that, that prevented him from participating uh, during the NFL uh, scouting combine uh, as well. And you know he would have benched two twenty five like twenty yep. million. He would have benched mm-hmm. two twenty five twenty million times. Absolutely, he would for sure. <laughs> he could have thrown. He would have benched it, threw it up in the air. It would have bounced off the moon, and then came back, and he would have kept repping it out. So, um, such a shame they didn't see it because he probably would have gone number one overall if they saw that happen. Um, speaking of benching two twenty five a bunch of times, let's talk about Deuce Vaughn. Um, <laughs> they have him as the fourteenth best running back in this draft and I'm just going to take a peek it's just some of the people that they have ahead of him obviously Bijan is number one they have him as the number two overall player in this draft he's obviously not going to go number two overall because you know running backs unfortunately you know don't have that much value and have short careers and everything I'm sure you all know the deal but the 14th best running back 164th overall so you know hovering between day two and day three kind of guy, but I believe he will. I think there's a place for Deuce Vaughn in the NFL. I I mean, obviously there's going to be a place for Deuce and hopefully that team where wherever he ends up, a team is able to utilize him because I think if they utilize him in the right way, he could be very dangerous. But at the same time, if they, if he's not, if they're not going to fully effectively use him the right, right way, then it can kind of backfire as well. Just mainly, um, with the size, and that's kind of been the that's kind of been the factor that's been holding Deuce Vaughn back as as kind of a size um, compared to the rest of his running backs. Obviously, Bajon Robinson, he's going to be the top running back prospect. But uh, I mean, you're looking at some of the some of the other options. I I, I heard Tajay Spears out of Tulane. He was he was up also up there. Um, uh, who's Kendra out? Miller? Yeah, Kendra Miller. Who's out? Who's who's from Alabama? I I. Oh, Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama yeah. as well. So, uh, Severe Wheeler from Kentucky, too. I never named that, but I was thinking of uh, a, a week or two or so ago. So, um, I'll, I'll probably agree with you. What was you? You said late uh, late day two? two yeah. So, uh, third, I, fourth round. I'll probably say early, early third round, possibly, yeah. is where you could possibly see Deuce Vaughn end up. Yeah, I think this is definitely about the system that he gets into. I mean, if you see, like, you know, the 49ers, what, you know, Kyle Shanahan can do with a guy like Deuce Vaughn, I think, in a, especially, you know, I think see him as a gadget guy in the passing game. I mean, a big storyline over the spring, John, preparing for the draft is he's just been catching a ton of punts, you know, talking to Darren Sproles. And I think there's a role for Deuce Vaughn in special teams. And I mean, that's how you, that's how you get a paycheck in the NFL is trying to be useful in you know, all these different unique ways. And I think, you know, returning punts is something that he could excel in, in the NFL. Yeah. And if, if, if a running back portion does not fully pan out, then it's, it's not like he would, he would be completely stranded. He could look at another option or two. uh, And, and yeah, but the, the special teams being able to return punts I think that could really I think that could really be be something interesting you would have to look out for as well yeah and then let's talk about another guy who I think's got a pretty solid chance of being drafted here Malik Knowles um he's listed as the 23rd best wide receiver 183rd overall so I mean he's got the body type right to be a strong receiver you know he's 6'4 crazy athletic got a ton of speed agility it's just you know he's had some injury issues 
Um, you know, hasn't had the most production at K State, but I think he's got the the intangibles, if I were to use a draft word. We we're talking about some of the injuries as well. He did not he did not um work out at K State's pro day as well. So um, that that could also be something that I might be holding him back. We haven't heard too much about just overall his participation um, when it comes to preparing for the NFL. But I mean, he uh, he has adequate measurables and he's an above average value uh, value, especially as a kick returner. And he he might be lacking a little bit of suddenness, but. He he will he will likely struggle beating uh, uh beating press and uncovering underneath as well. But uh, number number what nonetheless, a very he is athletic. He's smooth. Uh, he he's a pass catcher as well. He, but he's just he might be limited to a role as a potential fourth string wide receiver at best. Um, I like like Deuce Vaughn. I'd also be um looking at uh possibly doing some uh, kick returning as well because he I mean he has shown he is able to just run them all the way back for six yeah he's proven that he can do that and I think he'd be a good for that, fit for that as well let's talk about another corner real quick John Echo Boydo is in the NFL Jeff they ESPN lists him as the 31st best corner 249th overall so you're kind of on that border of you know even if you know he might he might get drafted, he might get not. I think he's definitely going to be you know signed as a free agent and given a shot. Um, you know he didn't really get talked about a lot. Um, you know during his senior year at K State, but when you're a corner, that can kind of be a good thing because you know that means that nobody's throwing to you. Forty-two games, thirty-five yeah. starts. I mean, he's got the experience. He was first. Uh, he was all Big Twelve honorable mention as well. Um, he could be. He could definitely be uh, um, utilized in a very unique way as well. Yeah, and then Josh Hayes wasn't ranked by uh, ESPN, so I'm not really sure where he's going to be at in terms of probably getting drafted, probably on the side of not. But I think he'll definitely he could get picked up as a free agent somewhere. You know, you can always make a good career out of you know being on the practice squad and working your way up, and uh, you know proving he can do the hard work. Um, one last guy to talk about, John. We can't go, you know, the NFL job without talking about Legatron. Ty Zentner. Yeah. Uh, Derek Young reported that many teams have come to work out Ty Zentner. So if he doesn't get drafted, I imagine he'll get signed as a free agent. And maybe we'll see Ty Zentner, you know, uh, punting balls in the NFL. It's just, it's a really great story for Ty Zentner's sakes as well. I believe he started uh, his career out of Butler Community College, spent two years there. Uh, I mean, he's also a Topeka kid as well, a, a local, another local kid. He he makes his way to Manhattan, and uh, I mean, he just he just continues to bomb the balls, and really in an area in an area where K State hasn't had too many problems in the past with with kicking. I mean, with field goals, uh, it, it's been a little shaky this year. When you and when you bring in Ty Zentner, I mean, he he was just making almost every single attempt. And on top of that, I mean, he was the one that really sealed. I mean, that that gave K State a Big Twelve championship trophy as well. So, um, you you look at some of those factors, just with with how with how long he can kick the field goals, um, the direction where he's able to to go for in terms of punts, because if he's able to go, lean towards the left or lean towards the right, you could see a returner going to the left or right, but having but not being fully uh, accurate with his placement, he would drop a ball. I'm thinking of the KU game back, uh, back last year yeah. where Zetner punted the ball um, and the return for KU lost the ball in case they had some really good field position. So um, 
I like I really like Zetner's chances. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we'll see where he ends up. But this is probably one of the best, the deepest drafts K State has had, at oh, least yeah. in my lifetime. I don't know, you know, maybe you go back to ninety eight and things like that. But you know, to have guys who are first, second round guys, you know, a couple guys that are, you know, third, fourth round. I mean, you get a four or five different K State players drafted, which I don't know what the you know, how many uh, what the record is or anything, but Man, I mean that's that's definitely some of the you know the best stuff that I've seen in my life. So that's gonna do it for us here at the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next Friday on Wildcat ninety one nine. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at Shake and Blake seven eight five, and check us out on Spotify. Just Shake and Blake wherever you get your podcast and catch my ninety. Catch my ninety.